Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Welcome to Switched on Pop. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. And I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. So Nate, one of my favorite episodes of Switched on Pop that we've ever done was speaking with Lizzo about Janelle Monae's Make Me Feel. 100%, yeah. And uh, Lizzo has just come out with a new album, Cause I Love You. It's number six on the charts right now. Nice. It's awesome. And I want to break it down with you today because not only is it noteworthy in its message and intrepid in its songwriting and production, it's also had me questioning some fundamental issues about the role of genre in pop music. Totally. All right. Take me there. Okay. For those of us who may not be familiar with Lizzo, uh, she is a singer, rapper, and classically trained flautist. She has an alter ego called uh, Sasha Flute, which (laughs) is off of Sasha Fierce. I like that. Beyonce. Her music covers topics like self-love body positivity, Mm. female empowerment, and sex positivity. Her new album is, I think, pretty stunning. It was met with largely very positive reviews, but there was one that caused a bit of a stir. Oh. Pitchfork. (laughs) Classic. Right. They gave it a 6.5. And they made this sort of interesting assessment, which was that this album was sort of genreless. And here's how they put it in their words. The shiny soul pop of Lizzo's major label debut is something of a thesis on internalized and externalized confidence. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So much so that the music can feel like a means to a greater end and that her music performs an important social function, but that the sounds kind of disappoint. Okay. So like sound versus substance? Yeah. Yeah. And this review did cause a little bit of a hullabaloo online. Really upset Lizzo. She actually kind of attacked the review. My, wouldn't, wouldn't it be the first time? What In, in terms of? Uh, in terms of artists going after Pitchfork reviewers. Oh, yeah, right. And probably often fair. However, I, I think what would be a much more sort of interesting way of evaluating this is to look at the music and to look at questions of genre. So here's what we're going to do. Cool. First, we're going to take a sampling of three tracks from Lizzo's new record and see if the music stands up to her message. And second... I want to see if her album really is a sign that maybe there's some genre slippage happening more broadly. Mm, cool. So, what do we need to do? We've got to listen to the opening track. Yes. Because I love you. Trying to open up a little more. Sorry if my heart a little slow.
that is power. You're right. This song is powerful. Oh, yeah. And I didn't feel like I could do it justice breaking it down on my own. So I actually went and spoke to one of the songwriters and producers on the track. No way. Yeah. You might recognize who it is. Okay. My name is Sam Harris. I'm the lead singer from X Ambassadors. Whoa. <laughs> what was the impetus for the song? Where's it come from? That song came from, from her. Uh, she was like, ah, I have this great idea for a song, or like or a title of a song. Like I'm crying because I love you. Cause I was, sitting in the car with my my ex-boyfriend and i was i was like crying uncontrollably and he was like why are you crying and and i said i'm crying because i love you and i said yeah that's a fucking great title for a song and it could go something like this it could go like i'm crying because i love you just like kind of making shit up she was like that's awesome let's make that Tell me about the soundscape of this song. It seems to be pulling from a handful of different genres. What were you thinking about? When I pictured that that title and her and and like the the song that I kind of heard in my head and immediately when she told me that lyric, uh, I just pictured like you know the the cover for uh, "Never Loved a Man the Way That I Love You" that Aretha Franklin record. So I immediately I was like, okay, it's got to start. We got to start on piano, uh, and so we we did. We kind of like figured out the chord changes on piano, slowed it down. We did like a really slow kind of version of the like the verse vibe on the piano, and then sped it back up and uh, and kind of made it sound like a sample. Um, so it kind of started in that that world of like very like almost like minimalist kind of weird Kanye sample territory that we just made ourselves. And then we, we'd add these like crazy digital horns for the chorus that kind of come out of nowhere. The thing that really struck me about this song was the harmony and I was wondering if you could speak to how the harmony is functioning to reinforce this message of crying because I love you. I think it was that was all just kind of Casey. He's a wizard. <laughs> and uh, we were kind of messing around. I had the idea for just the chord changes, the bomb, 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 very like dramatic, theatrical kind of uh, chord changes. I did a lot of musical theater when I was, when I was younger and in college and, and even a little bit after college. And I, I've always loved the, you know, um, the Lloyd Webber and Sondheim and, and, uh, and Gershwin and that kind of like vibe and the, how that kind of feeds into, um, into this song, I think is a, a really, really cool thing. Charlie Wiley Minks doing a secret songwriter interview without me. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I love this. He wants to bring drama into the song. And in order to do so, he is citing musical theater. Hell yeah. Let's listen to the intro of Cause I Love You just one more time. Okay. Sound familiar? Nothing specific comes to mind, but it does feel very redolent.
Whoa. <laughs> Don't worry. This is a common chord progression. In fact, Andrew Lloyd Webber was uh, hounded by Pink Floyd, who also used the same thing in their song Echoes. Cool. Chromatic descent from the tonic note down and then back up. Cool. It's a cool sound, right? Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. I love that they're using this chromatic movement. Mm. We can hear in musical theater. We can hear in rock and roll. It's a common chord progression and not exactly the same as the others. Right. But I thought maybe I could challenge you to get over on that keyboard and give us a, a taste of what that chromatic sound really, yeah, how's it come across? Yeah, totally. No, it's great. It's just literally taking that one tonic chord and then just replicating it, but down and down, descending each time. And then right back up. Yeah. I love this because I feel like this idea of I'm crying because I love yeah. you has this happy, sad quality, right? It's mm. like, I'm crying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sad because I love you. I'm yeah. joyous. Yeah, yeah. No, it's and good. we have this chord progression, which is in a major key, mm -hmm. but it has this dark chromaticism and modal mixture moving between notes that don't fit so warmly and you know, cozily into the, the major scale. And it, and it adds that emotionality to yeah, it. Yeah, there's a tension there. That's cool. We're not done. Good. I want to move to the pre-chorus. And I asked Sam about how did this pre-chorus come about? Because it's kind of different from the material that came before. So here's Sam talking about how he produced the track with his brother Casey from X Ambassadors. I said to him, I think I said something like, do some kind of like classic shit <laughs> in the pre-chorus. And he just kind of had the like, bum, 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 like these just descending uh, chords that just fit so perfectly with it. Hmm. So we want some classic shit. Yeah. And I think we're going to start to hear a little bit more of that soul kind of sound. Let's go to the pre-chorus. Check this out. Right? Isn't that nice? Classic shit indeed. You want to put that for us? So we've got, what, D-flat major? And then D-flat minor. Just change one note. But that kind of like aching feeling brings you back to the, yeah. to the home chord of a flat cool yeah isn't that, isn't that pretty shit. i like yeah. it but it would not be complete if we do not arrive into the chorus with something that sort of swings the emotionality into another direction mm. we've got a lot of descent i think we probably need to start going back up climbing back up okay <laughs> All right. This is my favorite part of the song. This idea of connecting the emotional quality of the eponymous song is because I love you. We swing down, we rise back up, and she does this in this beautiful way with rising inverted chords. Mm. So I'm going to send you back to that piano. Yeah. And we're going to give me a little bit of a, a B flat minor. A. A flat with a C in the bass. Give me a little D flat. B flat seven with Whoa. a D in the bass. And finally E flat. 
what's happening here? We are for like you said. I mean, we're like we're ascending, we're rising up for the first time. the The baseline is taking us up and up rather than down and down. And in order to do that, we're using all these like inverted chords, which are really rich and sort of pungent. And yeah, and it gives like like you. I think you said earlier, like kind of like this new emotional level to the chorus. This is my favorite thing about harmony. Mm. It's that sometimes we actually want to maybe subvert the harmony to the melodic thrust, right? So if, if harmony is happening on a on a vertical level mm. and mel- melody is happening on a horizontal level, the song needed to move back up. And so it wanted this rising bass line. Mm. And so you, you start to have these like math problems. Like how do I fit chords that will work over that rising bass? And to do so, you start having to invent some really colorful, beautiful things. And when you combine the rising melody and those colorful chords, you get something, as you said, pungent, Mm. it's emotional, it's strong, and it fits this message of, I'm crying because I love you. (laughs) And I think Sam would agree. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the other thing about it. It's like it kind of descends in the pre-chorus. And then you you gotta rise like rises again. Yeah, I wanted it to feel like just big. You know, like the the emotion behind the song. It is vulnerable, but it's big in its vulnerability. And I and I you know I think that's something that that I I love about Lizzo and she can be so, so vulnerable and, and broken sounding on this song and yet still so herself and not been very confident in her brokenness. Um, and so that's, that's what I wanted the, the chord changes to, to really feel like. And also just, you know, classic. Isn't that nice? I hear it too, you know, there's this duality to Lizzo of like super confident unbeatable top of the world and then also like scared vulnerable raw that's why it's so successful right i think to be a really strong leader you have to show what's going on Mm. for you you've got to be real yeah she's both all right so right now for me the music and the message are really connecting on this song no doubt and when we go to another song we're going to go to totally new territory we're going to go a little bit more to that like big empowerment song nice we're gonna go to juice yeah right on Ooh, feel that rhythm guitar man I love that opening line. If I'm shiny, everybody gonna shine. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know that line? From that song, or is it from something else? It's from something else. It's from a, some friends, actually. Wait, what? Do you know Call Your Girlfriend, the podcast? Yeah. From their words, they say, Shine theory is a practice of mutual investment with the simple premise that I don't shine if you don't shine. They wrote it to describe a commitment to collaborating with rather than competing against other people, especially other women. Yeah. Wow. No, I didn't shine theory. That's awesome. So I love that she has a sort of activist message in this song. But the song is also it's about getting loose. It's yeah. it's a really fun dance song, right? The video is this sort of like 1980s style, everyone in neon spandex doing exercise. <laughs> really, really fun. Totally. It, it looks like it's all VHS style. Mm. I want to figure out how do you build a sonic landscape that 
evokes that quality of getting loose, you know, jiving on that juice. Yeah. I don't know, but I'm very curious to find out. Let's talk about funk loops. Cool. <laughs> this song is built off of one looping chord progression. Right. And, you know, I think some people might think, hey, you just have four chords going in a circle the entire song. That's not very creative. Mm. I'm going to counter. Okay. I guess it's really hard to do that and do it well. Yeah, yeah. Not make it boring. Yeah. the ear gets bored. So check out these chords. I uh, play them on guitar. Juicy. Very juicy. <laughs> Ooh, sweet. Ooh, tangy. Yeah. Those are pretty chords. So we base this loop off of uh, just wonderful, thick, beautiful sounds. Yeah, that's lush. But then you need to animate them. Okay. You've got to bring them alive. So let's see how we do that. First, you got to double it up. Add a second guitar. And then add some chorus. Now we're in the 80s. Yeah. Put some reverb on it and delay it. There we go. And now the thing is animated and alive and even with those those beautiful juicy chords start to wobble and move and have a life of their own. Totally. We never get bored of it. The loop, of course, would be incomplete if we didn't have a consistent groove. And a super funky bass line. Don't you want to hear that bass I again do. I and do. again yeah. and again? Yeah. Wow, it just gets I love hearing those elements kind of add up because you just hear it just gets funkier and funkier and right? funkier. One really smart thing about a, a good loop is that there are moments where everything converges. Mm. Right. So if we listen to that kick drum, it the kick drum is sort of like the the beat that continues and recurs. Yeah. And then the bass starts to fill in all these extra little notes, starts to make it feel syncopated. Right. You have this guitar line which is cycling through chords, and then a bass line which is moving stepwise linear upwise and these different contrasting motions mean that our ear just wants to keep on hearing it because each thing is moving slightly differently at every given moment and there's just no other way of saying it but it's it's juicy right it's no, a no. funky loop uh, i'm with you like the the repetition of a single loop is simple but the complexity within each of those loops keeps you engaged yeah keeps you like actually rocking out pretty much so for me this is another example where i really i felt like the message and the music they converge yeah i see where you i see where you're going with this yeah let's go to tempo good i'm a thick bitch i need tempo fuck it up to the tempo fuck it up to the tempo this album is stacked man yeah. do you know who's on that track that's with missy elliott isn't that amazing yeah, yeah. oh it is it is something now where have we gone this is i don't have any juicy chords 
No, this is very minimal, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I've got thick bass, sparse in a way. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a Missy track. Yeah, totally. totally. Uh, it definitely feels like a, a great sort of throwback. Yeah, I tried to produce this one and, and I just to figure out like what is going on. And uh, how'd you do? Well. Not a bad facsimile. The thing that I realize about this is that the baseline is kind of just like thickly moving down into an almost like inaudible part of the sound spectrum to yeah. where you can only feel it. Like there's not actually a note that you can sing that is exactly the note that is happening. It's totally. just sliding boom. beyond pitch to just pure vibration. And I mean, this song is about like, I need a big song to dance to. Yeah. I think that um I think it succeeds. I yeah, I mean I'm I'm like my whole body is just like kind of pulsating <laughs> after listening to that. So we've moved between three songs mm-hmm. that feel like the same person with self-empowerment messages, but also like a fun, upbeat, positive attitude, which yeah. is Lizzo. I mean, yeah. ha- having spent time with Lizzo, that that is her. What you see is what you get. But the music is kind of all over the place. And so when we come back, I want to look at, is there any sort of common ground here? And mm. what do we do? How do we conceive of this shifting genre bending music? What does it mean? Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary, and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. Okay, so what we need to do is we need to listen to a bit more of the music and see if it does conform to any genre or perhaps it moves past it. So let's play a game. We're going to just call it Name That Genre. Name That Genre. Yeah. And you have (laughs) two jobs. Okay. (laughs) The first job, you need to say, what genre is it? And given the title of the song, which should be the hook, which should sort of, you know, encapsulate the message. Yeah. Do they match? Okay. What is the function of that genre and that song? Okay. So let's just start with the first three songs that we've covered so far. Let's go back to Cause I Love You. Mm. 
genre? One word, four letters. Soul. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> There's another word, which I put down. Oh, extra points. One word, four letters. Another four-letter word that describes this song? There's trap in here, too. Oh, oh. Okay, did not see that coming. Trap, trap horns and trap hats. They're both in there. Huh. So she takes the soul sound and she contemporizes it. Cool, yeah, yeah. And we've talked a lot about the song, but soul, what's the function of this genre for this song? I, th- I think that that message, you know, doesn't index any particular song, but it feels like of that era, you know, like try a little tenderness. <laughs> and even maybe like more modern iterations of that soul song, like Rihanna's Love on, on the Brain. Sort of mm. this like, sort oh, of yeah. like bitter, yeah. this certain bitterness. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Part of that maybe because we're also getting the shuffle feel, the da, 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 Yeah, that, da, that six, da, eight da, vibe, yeah. totally. Uh, and that, that really does take us back into a, a soul world. Okay, let's keep on, let's keep on moving. Let's go to the second song we listen to. Let's listen to Juice. Okay. Name that genre. Oh, man, what's okay? Uh, what's the right word? Like electro funk or something? Yeah, sure. Yeah, funk Warm, pop. Yeah, funk pop. Yeah, electro funk. Why not? Disco, late disco. It's like that middle ground between late disco and early R, like nineties R and B or something. Whatever that is. Yeah, and its function. And it, and it has another modern analog. I think like Bruno Mars comes to mind too, right? Who's also mining that terrain. Definitely. Yeah. Function for juice. Uh, I mean, it makes me think of like Zapp and Rogers sort of, it's funky. It's, you're supposed to be moving. Puts a bounce in your step. There you go. All right. I answered for you, but I'll give you a point anyway. (laughs) It's a generous game show. Okay. And let's go to tempo. Yeah. Yeah. Just like hip-hop i guess tempo for me is get your freak on right right is and that a genre missy is it the genre of missy elliott missy be putting it down i'm the hottest round i told your mother y'all can stop me now listen to me now i'm lasting 20 rounds so get your freak on <laughs> is borrowing from bongra because there's uh um, oh deep okay yeah, wow there's yeah. indian instruments on the track and this is actually has a very similar syncopated rhythm and a very similar melody but played on synthesized elements i actually think the melody here is lizzo playing the flute and then it being completely played with in a sampler or whatnot. but yeah so uh, we'll call it missy elliott music slash bongra slash cool the early yeah. 2000s hip-hop yeah i love it and it's function bongra when, when when i hear that i just think of like intensely syncopated percussive meant to just like get you out on the dance floor get you sweating get you like l- exercising all of your cares and troubles away so yeah move it to the tempo there okay great we're gonna go to another song this is jerome another one that the ex-ambassadors worked on with mm. uh Lizzo. Jerome, 
back to soul, right? Aretha, Otis, like absolutely this this sixties that six eight shuffle vibe is there again. Definitely, we've got a daily double. There is another genre in this song. Wait, 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 wait. Play it again. What is? <laughs> I got nothing. I'm a creep. <laughs> this is the same Uses chord the progression, same chord progression. As creep by Radiohead. No, we gotta challenge. We gotta <laughs> bring up the producers. We gotta me. We gotta challenge this. A chord progression is not a genre. I object. Touche. I think I think you're correct. The, right. the genre is not there. Although if Missy Ellie gets her own genre, but Missy Elliott it does stand alone. A chord progression is not a genre. I think you wanted to show off, but so. <laughs> I do love that chord progression. Uh, I would say function-wise, Back to the Soul, this chromatic chord progression, song about a lover, mm-hmm. Jerome. Mm-hmm. What's the function? The function here, so using soul here, I think again in this sort of, you know, there's this sort of nostalgic, lacrimose kind of vibe here, yeah. And it works. So right now I would say, I'll give you four for four. Uh, my daily double is bad. Uh, <laughs> let's just do a couple more. This is Cry Baby. Cool. Wow, that's fun. I mean, once again, I feel like I'm... Not gonna name a genre, but an artist. Okay, who is Prince? Oh yeah, yeah. But you know, what do you call that? Eighties new wave. I don't know. It's like you know. I think this is rock and roll. This is okay, like I'm this, with this you. is I'm the with extension you. of rock and roll into the eighties. And actually, I definitely hear the Prince the most. Yeah, I, there's so many Prince songs I hear in here. But I also heard Led Zeppelin. Start with the open riff, do a little uh, blues thing, but also funky. Here, check it out one more time. Here's Lizzo. Okay. There's a little riff. Totally different tempos. Slow it down. But I hear the Royal uh, Orleans in there from Led Zeppelin. On your face, there is doubt. <laughs> I'm I'm skeptical. I mean, no, no, no. I I I I think rock and roll is is accurate, yep. but I think it's that you know late '80s princeified version of rock and roll, right? And then crybaby, yeah, genre function. Crybaby is a little more of maybe one of the more aggressive tracks, a little more con- confrontational. So tapping into the sort of yeah the energy and spunk of like. 80s prince rock could work for that yeah definitely you said you like prince yeah uh yeah do you recognize the intro to tempo (laughs) cool certainly reminiscent of the beginning of when doves cry right Yeah, cool. You know Lizzo nice. worked with Prince. 
Yeah, yeah. I remember talking to her about that because when we, you know, were analyzing uh, Make Me Feel by Janelle Monet with her, that was like another very Prince indebted track. I mean, his like, it's wild to do this because you see, you. I'm just thinking now about how much his fingerprints are all over the sound of, of music of our time now. And somebody who also moved across genre, though I think you, Indeed, you had yeah. a maybe identifiable production style mm-hmm. for different periods. Mm-hmm. There, there, there was funk. There was soul. There was R and B. Rock. There was rock. Yeah. There, there's I mean, gospel. There yeah, funk, romantic yeah. ballads. There was everything in there. Totally. Let's just do one more. Yeah. Let's play exactly how I feel. Nice. Featuring Gucci Mane. That's exactly how I feel. That's exactly how I feel. That's exactly how I feel. I woke up this morning. Wrong side of the bed. I don't have to explain it. Nate, name that genre. I'm going to say New Jack Swing. Yeah, old school hip hop, New Jack Swing. Something about those ah, those orchestral sampled hits is just screams like mid-90s R&B. And exactly how I feel. What's the function of of that genre in this song? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) What kind of question is that? It feels right. It's exactly how I feel. The thing, it's like, that's how she's trying. You are so out at sea right now, man. (laughs) You've given up on the game. Yeah. But I, at the same time, I appreciate, (laughs) I appreciate your point here. I think what you're, and beautifully arguing though, like what, what New Jack Swing has to do with exactly like, I feel, I don't know, (laughs) but I do, I do get what I think. If I may be so bold, because this is this is cool, there is a sort of overwhelming and even just like multi-genre approach to this That's record, right? right? Yeah. But and 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 that maybe exposes the record to criticisms of like what is the sound here? Like what are you going for? What are you trying to say? And the answer I think that you're proposing is that like something different on each track, and each track is motivated in that genre choice by its particular message. Yeah. So, uh, so Lizzo herself says, I'm the genre. My voice is the genre. I fuse to let y'all put me in any genre at this point because all you're trying to do is place me somewhere because I'm black or place me somewhere because I'm a woman or because I make bops. Place me somewhere to make you feel comfortable. Damn. Yeah. I, mean, I just want to ask you, like, what do you think of the function of genre is anyway? Man, you are asking some some tough. This is the hardest game show I've ever been on. <laughs> the game is over. Now uh, yeah. we're just chatting. Uh, the function of genre, um, I, I suppose, to uh, to provide a sort of set of sonic and you know cultural expectations for a listener that an artist can either then you know take advantage of or maybe subvert in right. some ways, right? Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was thinking about. Yeah. Like, well, usually my sort of like more cynical mind will be like, it's a marketing term, right? Because because sure. genre is a marketing term. We've, we've talked about this in the past. But I, the thing that I actually went to first was it's a way of paying respect to a tradition, mm. right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Like if we think about like um, Preservation Hall in New Orleans is all about playing, paying respect to the earliest era of jazz. Yeah. But I think I liked how you framed it as well, that it also is something that gives us a framework in which to understand it, right. which is exactly what Lizzo is pushing against and saying, like, I don't put me in a box. 
I find it so interesting that she says, you know, I I am the genre. And one thing that did strike me listening to all these examples is that she is the sort of continuous factor here. Right. Her her voice is so distinct and and it's and it's a and it's a manifold voice. She's like Kendrick or Nicki Minaj or someone who's able to like have these different tones and timbres and you know it's really exciting to listen to her because she's not just doing the same thing constantly um that is yeah like I think that is precisely why I'm drawn to this it makes me think about another function that genre sometimes serves which is something to skip every other album so that it looks like you're progressing as an artist and one of the things that we're hearing on this album with Mm. on Lizzo's album is she's changing genre every song. Right, right. And in a couple of examples, especially this Pitchfork example, it, it maybe was um, unsettling uh, in, a, in a way of hearing that read perhaps as inauthentic. You yeah. know, to, to use the words as like, you know, shiny soul pop, pointing out sort of first major label album. is there, it's, it's sort of like a coded way of saying they're like inauthentic. Yeah. Right? By, by moving between all these things, you don't have a consistent voice. True, true, yeah. Right? I was doing some research on how are people listening today, and I and I bumped into this interesting report by a company called Chartmetric, which is kind of trying to do like an updated Billboard thing and providing really detailed analytics on on how people are listening to music. Gotcha. And these maybe are suggesting that the way that people are listening to genre is is also changing by examining Spotify playlists. And they look at the rise of new categories which don't fall in traditional genre boundaries. So, you know, hip-hop, pop, funk, whatever. They talk about context-based playlists. And these are playlists that happen around either an activity like running or working or napping or something that might be time related. So women's history month Mm -hmm. or even the time of the day, there are playlists for, Mm -hmm. you know, having a a, a nice Sunday morning brunch. Right. right? And so some of their most popular playlists right now are peaceful piano, beast mode, songs to sing in the shower, relax and unwind. (laughs) And this this is a personal favorite. No, it's not really. Your favorite coffee house. Mm. Isn't that funny? Yeah. The like your favorite coffee house is an algorithmically generated, <laughs> mass distributed uh, coffee house soundtrack. Like basically Starbucks. There so, <laughs> and what's amazing about these, these context playlists though is that at least when they reported this, there had been more people subscribed to genre specific playlists, but there was greater growth happening in the context specific playlists. But even more interesting okay. is that. While more people followed the more traditional genre-based playlists, the followers didn't follow through and actually listen, Hmm. right? They're like, oh, I intend to listen to this thing. And actually, the context-based playlists are listened to significantly more. Now, if we're thinking about songs that pump us up, songs that pump us up don't have to just be New Jack Swing, right? They could be Prince's funk pop electro stuff yeah right yeah no totally could be bangra could be anything yeah so i i think what we're seeing is a way in which listeners habits are inviting more fluidity of Mm. genre within a single body of work now it doesn't mean that we're not paying respect 
right? Like I th- I'm at least for me, I hear a lot of respect to naming and citing references in Lizzo's work. I love, you know, the, the doves cry little homage, mm-hmm. bringing in Missy Elliott. Totally, like yeah. these are things to say like, Hey, these are my references. This is what's important to me, even though she's comfortable moving on to another genre in the next song, but she's going to do that genre. Well, finally, it, I started to think about like, is this actually a new phenomenon? Are these boundaries that strong? Yeah. And it took me back to uh, one of the most important forebearers in pop music and someone who Lizzo names as one of her great influences, which is Aretha Franklin. Cool. And I think she's really following in the footsteps here of Aretha, who in her sound and in her message, yeah, there's significant connections between the two. Aretha was an outspoken feminist. Mm. She had many songs about self-empowerment. Yeah. She's just celebrated black beauty and especially women's independence, hmm. especially in an era where it was even less socially acceptable and there were you know, real dangers to speaking out about um, all of those issues as there are today. Yeah. In looking at Aretha's music though, it made me realize her body of work is so broad. All over the place. Right? Like, yeah. In order to really understand the the genres that Aretha crossed between, I thought an interesting way of listening to her music would be to just grab the intros, the little sections that tell us, hey, what are the timbres of this song? Mm. What is What are the genre connections that we're going to make, maybe even before the voice comes in? Everybody knows respect, mm-hmm. right? And it's a commensurate soul track. I mean, here we have a soul song, right? And yeah. it makes sense, like connected to the gospel tradition yep. and asking for respect for women. Mm. She just deserves it because of who she is. Uh, it's the like, they're perfectly connected. And totally. yet then you go to her second most popular song. I say a little prayer. Yeah. This is a Burt Bacharach song. Yeah, and I it, know. And it sounds, it's like, this is like sort of bossa nova, the lounge music, yeah. right? Yeah. And I don't know, like, I, I know that I maybe I'm being a little ridiculous and like, for, I don't mean to force, like the genre sound must absolutely have an overlapping function. But I do hear like, it makes sense to like say a little prayer. It's like quiet, it's mm. internal. And the, the sound of bossa nova lounge music is a perfect fit for that message and far from the sound of Of respect respect, right yeah totally i just want to give a few more examples of how these careers moving across genre bear a lot in common let's listen to chain of fools I mean, if you just played that opening guitar line, yeah, that's like John Lee Hooker (laughs) blues, but it's also like Credence style rock. Yeah, a little little hillbilly country there. Yeah, and I feel like Chain of Fools. It also like connects for me to Sam Cooke's Chain Gang, Mm. another blues, and it makes sense where Chain of Fools love song blues. She's it, but also rock, like where she evolves constantly. Yeah. 
I hadn't gone into much of her later career. I really didn't know Aretha's later work. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't say I'm very familiar with it. Do you know she collaborated with George Michael? I think I was dimly aware of that. I haven't heard it in a long yeah, time. Is, I knew you were waiting for me. So I hear this George Michael, Aretha Franklin song, and it's like, this is like 80s R&B, yeah, right? Like, totally. you know, it's like Whitney-esque. It's yeah. a totally different thing. Little Phil Collins. And the, yeah, totally. Yeah. And, you know, for me, this sort of says like, what it says to me about Aretha is like, she is, she was always with her time mm. and always progressing, never stuck in any sort of one sound yeah i want to play just one last song called sisters are doing it for themselves which she did with the eurythmics annie lennox's group and actually on this track we'll also hear three of uh the heartbreakers nice another feminist anthem from aretha but moving from soul into 80s new wave this sounds like the talking heads yeah it's as energetic it's exciting and i think again communicates progress right it's like Mm. women are doing it for themselves and in what sounds like a new way here and trying Mm. to demonstrate this sort of self-conscious movement towards a new identity in the 80s and and updating her message to the sound uh, to be heard by people to to resonate. Right on. So I want to wrap this all up. Yeah. And I want to end with a little bit of the interview that I had with Sam Harris from X Ambassadors. Yeah. Asking him about his experience with Lizzo and how she is contained or not contained Hmm. by genre. Nice. Everything that she does is is unique to her. I I can't really speak on whether or not this is kind of pervasive in pop music in general or whatever, but I know for a fact that like she, you know, one of the early conversations that we had, you know, about the type of music that she ended up making with us that leaned kind of more towards the soul stuff, she was so dead set on like making sure that she was not put in a box. You know, she was like, I don't want to just be the big black girl who can sing, you know, who can like sing. I want to, I want people to know that I am multifaceted, that I'm, I have many different layers. And that is something that she set out to do on this record to show people like all the different sides of herself, um, that she can do anything and she can, and she did. I don't know how it leads into the rest of the the pop world, but if she's kind of at the forefront of that, then I, I you know, like that's that's so awesome. <laughs> Hearing that, it's it's so interesting, even though to 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 hear from one of her collaborators, like about you know that specific goal of not being sort of boxed in, makes you listen to this album in a different way, and and I feel like she really succeeded in in that respect. Yeah, absolutely, I, I agree. I mean, 
I will say, obviously, we invited Lizzo to come back on the show to talk about this album. Uh, she's busy. She's quite busy. She's on tour right now. Yeah. And we hope that she'll join us again because I would love to hang out again. I think getting to focus in on the music and discover what it has to say for itself and hearing a bit from her collaborators is a great way of understanding mm-hmm. the work, seeing how it exposes its own message from within its own way of sounding and speaking. And in listening to those three tracks in depth and some of the other tracks more cursorily, I really do get the sense that she is earning the right to move across different sounds in order Mm. to communicate what needs to be said. And we can see that it's connected to a larger history and her idols like Aretha Franklin, who made these same moves decades ago. And we also might be hearing that it's influenced or primed to succeed in how people are listening now, which might not be as bounded by the aisles in a record store with particular labels i really like this record yeah me too i'm gonna listen to it a lot more coming up ditto and when i do i'm gonna kind of be thinking about the the genre play that's here and what it means about lizzo as an artist and what it means about music more broadly switched on pop is hosted and produced by me charlie harding and me nate sloan our producer is julian weinberger our engineer, mix and master is Brandon McFarlane. Our community manager is Sarah Terry. Our executive producers are Nishat Kurwa and Allison Rocky. You can find more episodes of the show on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, basically anywhere you find podcasts, we're, we're there. And you can talk to us on social media at Switched on Pop on Twitter and Instagram. One thing we'll, we'll post up there is a playlist that I've created of all of Lizzo's tracks on her album mm-hmm. and the genre influences that I was hearing on each of oh, them. So fun. if you yeah, want to yeah. sort of traverse the history of music by listening to Lizzo, you'll find that on our social media accounts at Switched On Pop. Right on. We'll be back next week with another episode. And until then, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening.